A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. The most interesting thing about you as an entrepreneur, as a personal brand, as an artist or a creator, is how you became the person that you are. That is your origin story. And that is exactly what my guest today specializes in. What's up, storytellers? Welcome back to the Storytelling Lab, Season 11, Moving Strong. This is Episode 146, and today my guest is Robert Ty. Robert Ty is an Irishman in New Zealand who has a background in journalism. Now, that's not so unique to the Storytelling Lab because a lot of great storytellers come from the world of journalism. Makes a lot of sense, right? But here is what's unique about Robert's journey, which I particularly really, really like, is he comes from the world of sports, of athletics, and he worked for Red Bull for a long time, and I sold my first feature film to Red Bull Media House. So we had a lot of things in common. I come from the world of sports, too. So I was really excited to dive in to his journey, to his story, to understand how he helps people like you tell your story. The first thing that we identified was athletes and entrepreneurs are very similar in their chemical makeup. They are big, bold uh, risk takers, right? They usually have a massive amount of belief in what they can do, and they are driven to excel, and they are self-motivated, and they are disciplined, and sometimes they struggle with the same things as well. And so he spent his the whole first part of his career helping athletes tell their story better, and it naturally transitioned when he started serving entrepreneurs. Robert talks about how if you understand your origin story clearly, then you understand your why, your purpose, and it informs everything that you do from there on out. And and you can communicate that clearly to people too. Here's where I come from. So here is who I serve and why, the most important part, the why, right? We talk about how everything is a remix and understanding how you can remix something so we can see your unique take on it, can separate you and differentiate you from your crowd, from others in your industry. We talk about how you can't necessarily read the ingredients on the label when you're inside the jar, talking about being too close to your story and needing the help of someone like Robert, a ghostwriter who helps people reveal and unearth their origin stories in a way that clearly paints the picture of their why, of their purpose, so that those they might they might help can clearly understand if they are the right people for them or not. And my favorite thing that, that he said, and this is at the end of the conversation, was his goal is to help people create substantial pieces of art, of content. That's why he works on books, you know. Now, I met him on LinkedIn, so we talked about how, you know, a lot of the stories that we tell are short-lived and tweets that just kind of go off into the universe and we never hear from them again. I really, really respect him as an artist to put his sole focus on helping people create big, substantial pieces of content, books, Books is his specialty, but it's not just books for those out there listening. Books, films in my world, uh, uh, albums, even companies, right? Something that will last. Starting from your origin story, 
and building something that will last forever. Here is my conversation with Robert Ty, and I hope that you love it. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, award-winning filmmaker and writer, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and my job is to help you deepen your connections, increase your sales, and serve your audiences better. Every Tuesday morning, I send out a quick storytelling tip to my newsletter subscribers. I show you techniques I've learned along my journey and used in my own stories, as well as those of my clients. But most importantly, I leave you with tangible takeaways that you can apply to your brand storytelling immediately. Oh, well, actually, more importantly than that, it's free. If this would help you, sign up for the newsletter at rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. Welcome, Robert, to the show. Hey, Rain. Good to, uh, good to see you. Good to meet you. Absolutely. I know it, you know, it's really interesting. Um, we were talking before about, you know, LinkedIn land. Uh, it's always interesting to cultivate relationships with people, uh, that make you feel like you've been friends for a long time. And then you're like, uh, Oh, here's your face. And then if we were to ever meet, if we are so fortunate to meet in person, then that's a whole nother level of like, wait, I've never actually seen you, but it's, it's like, I think it's a really good thing, uh, but it's it is strange in the the time that we're in because you can feel so close to someone. So you and I've been chatting for a while, and but we are indeed meeting for the first time in this moment. Yeah, I think we know a lot of the same people, and I think there's a there's a really nice community of storytellers on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just a really good bunch of people, I think, who are all kind of very very much on the same page. Excuse the pun about the kind of uh, the value of storytelling and and how it can uh, how it can impact people, right? Absolutely. And I have really leaned into LinkedIn specifically this year. I didn't spend much time. I always had a presence there, but I didn't really spend much time there until this year. Um, and, and have really felt embraced by that community and really have felt fulfilled by those like yourself that I have made connections with. It's a very strong and growing and prominent uh, community yeah. we'll, we'll say there so that's a good point i think to start off with let's uh, i have a two-part question from that is one how important is it to cultivate that sort of community when it when it comes to terms of of you know in our in our world storytelling but any type type of content creation or art form how important is it to have those people to share with to learn from to even you know teach in some in some capacities how important is it to our creations our art to have that sort of supportive community uh, one of the things I love about LinkedIn for me is that it allows you to um, work through your ideas um, in a very public forum and get feedback on, on, on your ideas. And, and certainly for me, my whole business model really evolved from posting on LinkedIn and the feedback I got from kind of people in my network around stuff I was posting about storytelling and telling my own stories. And um, I came to LinkedIn about four, four or five years ago, maybe. Um, and I um, had no real presence on social media previous to that. And LinkedIn is about the only platform that I play on, to be honest with you, because I've just found that it works for me. Um, and the reason it works, I think, is that the community thinks, tends to be really engaged. The, the comments are respectful, they um, tend to be intelligent, uh, very well informed, very well intentioned. You know, there's not too many dickheads, I think, on LinkedIn, <laughs> um, which, which, which is a good thing, right? Um, and certainly for me, as I said, like I, I came to storytelling for, for business leaders from a journalism background. And um, as I said, I, I kind of figured out my business model um, by posting on LinkedIn, by kind of working through my ideas and, and getting feedback on them. So, so for me, it's invaluable, no matter what kind of space you're in. Um, the power of getting feedback on your content, on your stories, on your ideas mm -hmm. is, is a huge, huge part of LinkedIn for me. Um, so let's flip that. The second part of that question is, and we, we alluded to this when we were chatting, uh, just earlier, 
how important is it is it or how do you go about it perhaps is the question to make sure that you are not just a carbon copy to to carve out your lane in, in this niche space of storytelling specifically for us but this applies to anybody any any vertical or any community that someone's part of because i think that's a trap that can happen when you're part of a community where there's a lot of people in a space talking about it how do you approach how do you suggest someone yeah. approaches being able to differentiate yourself in that space yeah that's a really really good point and, and and you're seeing a lot of people i think now selling hooks and templates and courses for how to tell better stories on linkedin and, and and i would advise people please 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 you know just be careful with those hooks and those templates because it can become as you say carbon copies of other people's posts and and if you're on linkedin a bit you can tell very quickly you know if somebody's lifted kind of a an introduction or a, a hook or a template from from somewhere else for me, and, and I'm, I'm biased because my whole my whole kind of thing is about personal stories and, and what I call origin stories. So for me, wrapping up what might be an old business point or what may, might be a very well-known kind of um, tenant or uh, rule or um, something in your industry that's very well-known, wrapping that up in a personal story and putting your own personal spin on it is just a great way for you to stand out and, and, for, and for, for, for people to, I suppose, get your idea or get that old idea in a different way and, and, and appreciate that it's coming from you. You're putting your own perspective on it. You're putting in a new fresh lens on it. Mm -hmm. um, so what I'm, what I mean by that is, is your hook or your intro can be that personal, that personal kind of story. Uh, and from there segue into the business point that you're trying to make. That's, that's the, one of the things that I really emphasize with the clients I work with that mm -hmm. it's not just telling stories for the sake of telling stories. What you want to try and do is wrap a personal story around a business point and that kind of just embellishes that and, and, and heightens that business point that you're trying to make. Well, this is what I think is so overlooked in that, in that uh, effort is that, that's the only thing that we uniquely possess, right? Is our lived experiences and our story. And when people overlook that or neglect that, I think you're missing the opportunity to leverage, you know, uh, it's, it's significant power. <laughs> like, like yeah. I could never have your approach to it if you do it right, because I don't have your approach to it. I, I don't have your journey to landing where you landed, even if we have the same philosophy, so I think people miss that so, so often um, when, you know, it becomes kind of rat racy or you're trying to find best practices and steal from, you know, uh, clues from successful people, which is okay to do. But, but mm. if you do it without or with skipping that part about putting yourself into it, I don't have any idea how to, how to uh, differentiate you from someone else. And, and I think... Yeah. We don't leverage that enough because no one can ever have your path to get to where you got yeah. to, even yeah. if you land at the same point. And so I, I, I think that's a, a really smart approach for you and the work that you do for your clients. Now, yeah. I want to just on, just on that. It, it's just, it's not just taking your own journey. It's taking what interests you, you know, things that you like from pop culture or your hobbies or Absolutely. whatever. It's, it's taking all those things and putting them into, into the mix. Um, because let's face it, there's, you know, there's very little new out there in terms of business ideas or storytelling ideas. You know, it's a lot of it has been said before. Um, I watched this great YouTube video by a guy called Mark Ronson. I don't know if you know Mark Ronson. He's a music producer from, yeah, absolutely. from, from the UK. Yeah. Great, great video on YouTube where he says everything is a remix. You know, and, and it's I true. It. Everything is, yeah, great, great, great um, clip about, you know, that, that we're all building on what other people have said or, or the music that other people have made before. But what makes your um, creative output different is is those influences. You know, as you said, your journey, um, your hobbies, what you're interested in, throw them all into the mix. But um, yeah, and, and see what comes out. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's fascinating to me um, to see the different spin that people can put on things. Um, and if you don't do that, you're just, you're just re rehashing what other people have said, right? Absolutely. That's such a great point. It's not just your experiences, but your passions, what you're passionate about too, mm. because, Oh, we're going to, this is going to set us up exactly where I wanted to take us. Cause there's something that excites me about your passion and your uh, history and experience specifically. 
Um, but yeah, if you if if your a side passion is basketball, it's okay for you to use stories of Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan to illustrate your your point because you'll do that so much more passionately than someone else might who doesn't know you know know the game or doesn't you know know the nuances of whatever other passion that you have. I think I'm really glad you pointed that out because that's an even easier one for people to overlook when yeah. they think about like, okay, this is my journey, my story often they don't think about yeah but who i am is part of my story too like i grew up playing basketball so i still love basketball as a 40 year old man um okay so that that segues perfectly into where i wanted to go next because you uniquely have a history and a a background in sports and i kind of came from that as well the first um well i grew up an athlete so i've always been uh passionate about sports and even some of the first film projects that I was doing when I was just a baby filmmaker was uh, I did wedding videos and I did sports recruiting videos for like high school kids wanting to go to, right. to university and they would make highlight reels. And I, I loved that. Um, fast forward, you know, 10 years or so, my first feature documentary was a sports documentary, which, by the way, we sold to Red Bull uh, Media House. Oh, right. So I saw you, I saw your background there. And so I am really I want to spend some time there because I think I would be remiss um not to um so let's establish a little bit about what you did at that time in your career specifically were you working with athletes were you working with teams were you working with brands what's your background that kind of led to where you are now yeah well i grew up like a lot of i suppose young kids dreaming of playing sport for a living you know i I played everything um and I was around 12 or 13 when I kind of slowly started to realize that I wasn't the best player on my street, let alone, you know, good enough to play any sport professionally. But I thought I could write about sport instead. That idea kind of was planted in my head around that age. You know, my father was a great newspaper man. He, he was a farmer, but he loved newspapers. So our house was full of newspapers. So I read the sports pages cover to cover from like a really young age. Um, and then when I was 13, my mother gave me a typewriter. Uh, I was like, what? What are you giving me a typewriter for? She just left it in my room one day and it was just a little nudge, I think. I think she recognized something in me that I didn't, that, you know, that maybe my love for reading, my love for words could potentially lead somewhere. And and her hunch was right because, you know, I, I taught myself to touch type on the, on the typewriter. Uh, I got a summer job at my local newspaper. I was the editor of the school magazine, the sports editor of the school magazine, mainly because it gave me a half day to go and watch the sports teams um, go and play. So that was a huge part of it. Um, and I had my heart set on, on becoming a, a writer or a journalist. And then I got a bit sidetracked in my 20s, as a lot of us do, went to university, <laughs> yeah. cigarettes and alcohol and all oh, that. Oh, that sounds vaguely yeah. familiar. Yeah, all of that, all of that came into play. And uh, I put it off for about 10 years uh, until it was just nagging at me. There was this kind of, you know, this, this, my gut feeling was, man, you should be writing. What are you doing? Like I was working in recruitment. I was working in sales. I was working in advertising, different jobs. And uh, finally, finally in my late twenties, I I found the guts to quit my job as a recruitment consultant. I went back to my hometown and I begged the editor of the local paper to give me a shot at at being a sports reporter, even though I had no experience, I had no qualifications, I didn't study for it, but, uh, but I could touch type. And uh, I knew an awful lot about sports, and, and thankfully he gave me a shot, and that was 20-odd years ago, and, and, and I'm, I'm still writing. And, and so I started out with a small-town paper in Ireland, uh, met a New Zealand woman, moved to the other side of the world, um, <laughs> to New Zealand, where I started from the bottom, and I started working with the local newspaper over here, and then I started freelancing. And that led to uh, a gig with Red Bull. Red Bull were launching a magazine in New Zealand. Somehow they found me online from the work I was doing and they reached out to me and said, would you be interested in writing the first feature story for this new magazine? And that led it to the editor's job. And it was just an incredible five years working with Red Bull because as you know, with, with Red Bull, they've built a brand on storytelling and, and they're, they're masters at it, right? Absolutely. I just want to pause right there. It's, you know, so, so often... Uh... In our journeys, we have these moments where, where it's like kind of what you just said, where it's like, I'm not sure how they even found me. And I love those moments because they don't happen if you don't take that leap and, you know, leave yeah. your job and go do that first job. Right. They're, they're products of that. But there's always those moments where it's just like, yeah, Red Bull family. Like, well, yeah, because you had stuff out there to find. Right. And, and, and those are those moments where. 
the work starts to pay off. It's hard to connect the dots of how it exactly happened, uh, but, th but they're always there. And I've had other people say similar things like, yeah, I'm not even sure how I got that job, but it's like, I just love that because it doesn't happen without that leap that you took a few years prior. Yeah. Um, I love the point you make as well about connecting the dots because um, leading up to that, leading up to journalism, right? You know, I used to beat myself up about the last years in my 20s. I used to think, what are you, what, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing with your life? But when I sat down recently to write my own origin story and refle reflected on those years in my 20s, like pretty much every job I had, I learned something that came in really, really handy in journalism. Because in recruitment, I was interviewing people. I was sitting across from senior business leaders day in and day out, and I was interviewing them. You know, I had to pick up the phone and make cold calls. I, I, you know, I was doing all these things that were just, you know, better than going to a journalism um, college or, you know, doing a journalism course. I was getting real world experience in how to how to talk to people. And uh, and, and that's the value of kind of reflecting on that journey and, and joining the dots, because I think if I hadn't done that a few years ago, I, I probably would still be beating myself up about my 20s. Right. Uh, Buddy, I can empathize with that beating yourself up part <laughs> very, very much so very deeply. Um Following that thread, what are some of the things that you uniquely learn from working with, I'll say athletes, uh, but people in the sports world, because that could include like race car drivers, et cetera, et cetera. I, I mean, I don't know if we are, you know, people's definition of athlete uh, changes, but what I have found is often, this is an assumption or an estimation, but often athletes aren't necessarily the best storytellers or sometimes their personalities but sometimes they're really shy when it comes to opening up and telling their story um unless they go through some sort of media training so the question is what what did you uniquely learn from that approach to storytelling and how to work with people because i think that's a could be a tough nut to crack you know a footballer or something like that that's very stoic and just focused on you know on on uh, their body and performance and really don't reflect back on like hey how did you become the person that you are how do you yeah. work with someone like that to uh, unveil to reveal the deeper parts of their story if they're not quite able to, to do that themselves that's a really really good question um it was hard it was hard initially especially with team sports um mm. i found trying to talk to players from team sports is a really tough gig because uh, either either one they're they're really really shy about their story and they're not confident in themselves either two they've been media trained which is, can be a terrible thing and and so they're media trained to death and three, quite often, they all have the same story, right? They're exceptionally good at what they do. They go to an academy and they come out the other side as this fully formed professional player. So they don't really have a story. Um, for me, when I was doing team sports, I really, really enjoyed chatting to the coaches because the coaches mm -hmm. have the stories. Generally, the, the coaches had great stories to tell and, and they were a bit more reflective, I guess, on the journey they'd been on and, and they knew how to tell a story better. I was so lucky with Red Bull, the five years I spent with Red Bull, because the types of people I worked with at Red Bull and the extreme athletes, obviously, that everybody knows Red Bull for, but also I kind of free reign to talk to musicians and artists and entrepreneurs. Um, essentially, my remit was to find stories in New Zealand and Australia of exceptional people doing exceptional things. So it was just a blank canvas. And um, the extreme athletes, the sponsored athletes from, from Red Bull in particular, um, were the complete opposite to the guys playing team sports because they were kind of lone rangers. They were mavericks out there doing, you know, triple backflips on a, on a BMX or whatever it might mm -hmm. be. And they they had a real passion for what they did you know that's not something you do unless you're totally consumed by it totally driven by it and and as well as that it, i think the the maybe the stereotypical image you might have of a red bull athlete is a bit you know off the wall a bit crazy um but for me the, the people that i interviewed they were actually the opposite of that they were really measured they knew that what they were doing was high risk so they actually had mm. to kind of consider every kind of step of what they were doing and they were very measured and considered about their career as well because they were you know essentially marketing themselves so they they had to have a good story uh, and they were you know i found them really really great interviews you know there was just some some really cool guys that i interviewed at red bull this uh the film that i did it was called raise up the world is our gem that i sold to, to red bull yeah. was about extreme calisthenics the the people doing um 
pull-ups on streetlights and scaffolding and jumping from bar to bar. Um, and that culture had really grown, but it's very, it's exactly what you're talking about. They would do it in communities, but it wasn't a team sport. And yeah, yeah every one of them had stories to tell exactly what you described. I was like picturing that, that movie is like, yeah, every person I interviewed across the world had a good story of how they got there and how it changed their lives. And, and they, but yet they were also calculated because they were flipping from bar to bar, you know, eight feet feet in the air it, it was dangerous um yeah that definitely that definitely tracks that's an interesting point yeah and it was actually through the red bull stuff that it kind of led directly to what i'm doing now working with with business owners and, and entrepreneurs i was uh i was looking up i was unlucky enough that red bull folded after about five years in new zealand there was just a red bull media house in in austria uh, published 12 issues of this magazine around the world so there's a u.s edition there's an edition in, in the uk and germany and 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 unfortunately new zealand was at the kind of bottom of the yeah. league table when it came to advertising dollars we just mm -hmm. we just weren't selling enough advertising new zealand's a small market and so they they kind of funded it for five years and, and then and then it went under um but my last story that i did was for uh was about a, a a guy called Tony Quinn, who was an entrepreneur, a guy from Scotland. Uh, he made his fortune selling pet food in Australia, of all things, and kind of got that early wave of the of the pet food uh, market. Was one of the first to introduce refrigerated pet food to Australia and made an absolute fortune. Um, and he sold his company and he invested $30 million in building a race track, uh, a world-class kind of motorsport track in the middle of nowhere in the South Island of New Zealand. <laughs> So I went, I mean, obviously Red Bull has a big association with motorsports. So I pitched the idea, can I go down and interview this guy and find out what the hell is he doing? Why is he, why is he spending this money on a racetrack? And uh, went down to meet him and he absolutely built this world-class racetrack. It really is incredible. The attention to detail, the quality, even it's 10 years old now. I was down there just a month ago and it's just like, it's brand new. It's just a stunning place. And the place is absolutely booming. It's turned into a massive tourist destination because he doesn't rely on his revenue for motorsport what he does is it's um it's a tourist operation so people can rock up there and jump in a sports car and have a have a hoon around the track uh, either by themselves or with a driver um they've got just an incredible setup down there but my, i spent the weekend with him trying to figure out you know you're how, how how and why did you end up here how how did you how did you make a fortune from pet food how did you get into motorsport why why did you decide to build this racetrack and at the end of it um he told me that he was trying to write a book about his life and mm -hmm. once i'd finished the magazine article i sent him an email and i said listen i've never written a book before but i'd love to write your book because it was just so rich there was so much in it and uh, Thankfully, he said yes, and that, and that that one email led to a book deal to write his book. The book went to number one in New Zealand in the nonfiction bestsellers list, and that just opened up a whole lot of doors for me yeah. um, to work with other entrepreneurs. And, and and the thing I realized, Rain, was that entrepreneurs share so much in common with the athletes that I was writing about. You know, they're generally kind of optimistic, goal oriented, positive risk takers. People risk takers but with with great stories to tell and so it just it felt like this natural kind of fit for me and i was just a really nice kind of move from journalism which was which was yeah. dying to an opportunity to work with you know similar like-minded people so it was, it was it was cool the way it worked out it's like what a perfect <laughs> what a perfect uh inherent segue or transition we'll call it like <laughs> this is the guy who is you know maybe not half entrepreneur, half, uh, athlete, maybe it's more like 75, 25, but literally the personification of your transition into that world from yeah. sports to entrepreneurship. I love that so much. It's like, if it were a person, it, uh, it was Tony. Um, yeah. that's a, that's incredible. Um, yeah, I see, I see those parallels, um, so much once you started, once you started, uh, saying that, why let's let's look at the other perspective um so they all have you know good powerful stories i, I totally understand that uh in terms of athletes and entrepreneurs they're similar uh personas you know strong-willed etc cetera, etc cetera. on the flip side on the audience's side why do people care so much inherently um about where people they look up to come from about their journey not not they really do you can see it it's not just this their successes obviously they care about that their titles their achievements their exits whatever it might be 
but also mm. we crave that information, the rags to riches story or whatever of how they got there. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah, interesting question. I mean, I think it's that whole notion of change and, and uh, change over time and, and seeing somebody evolve, right? And maybe thinking, well, maybe I can evolve too. There's a, there's a little bit of that to it, right? You know, um, if you see somebody, I mean, Tony, for example, made his fortune in pet food, but his, his journey was incredible. Like he started out in Scotland very much rags to riches grew up in a you know wooden caravan in in poverty in scotland uh made his first fortune by the time he was 18 or 19 then moved to australia thinking he was going to take over australia and had you know again eight or ten years in australia where he struggled he ended up doing a lawn mowing round for a while so it's it's that kind of arc of kind of you know following somebody's kind of journey and and and, and following their ups and their downs and their highs and their lows i think because because we're human we like to hear other human stories we like to hear about their failures and their and, and their successes and mm -hmm. um, we like to hear the highs and the lows um, and that's one thing i really encourage my my clients as well to share is don't be afraid of sharing the the, the lows as well as the highs because people people love to hear um you know your failures as well as your successes right yeah people are are reluctant to share those um mm. but i think you know, in my mind, as a as a listener, as a viewer, as an audience member, if I were to hear somebody I look up up to, if I were to hear about <clears throat> where they came from and their missteps along the way, and if I were in a similar situation, then it, it would probably give me inspiration to feel like I can do it too. Versus, oh, they're just a natural born talent; I could never do that. Yeah, you know. So that that might yeah. might be a part of it. Quick side note. Um, are all Irish just natural born great storytellers? That's kind of a reputation uh, that precedes them. It, it, it is. Yeah. I mean, certainly, uh, I think it's, it's probably not true that all Irish are, you know, there's, there's, depends on there's the they have. Yeah, that, that definitely helps. But there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely some incredible storytellers. I mean, my friend group growing up, you know, I had some some great um, storytelling friends who were just incredible at spinning yarn. And I mean, I don't consider myself a great storyteller. I, you know, but some of those stories that I've told you, I worked on them. I, you know, mm -hmm. and I worked them out on I worked them out on LinkedIn. You know, making the connection between um, the Red Bull athletes and Tony Quinn. That was something that happened as a result of kind of writing it down and thinking it out and and, and telling the story on LinkedIn. I, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the thing. I think that's maybe a misconception as well that a lot of people have. They think I'm either a great storyteller or I'm not. But you can learn a few stories that if you work on them, if you write them, if you, if you kind of craft them that make you seem like a great storyteller. I mean, I, I, in social situations, I don't consider myself a great storyteller. My, my wife will often interrupt my stories and finish them for me because she knows she'll do a better job than I will. Right. <laughs> but I, I think that's, that's a dangerous misconception to think that I, uh, you know, all Irish are great storytellers or all CEOs have to be great storytellers. Um, it's not something that I think you have to be gifted with or you, you, know, you don't have to have the gift of the gab. I think if you take the time to reflect on your journey, if you reflect on your career, everybody has you know at least three or four or five stories major turning points in their career major turning points in their life that if you if you reflect on them and as we said earlier if you figure out well what's the point of the story mm -hmm. you know how do, how does this story highlight a character trait or a value of mine mm -hmm. or uh, how does it highlight my passion for my industry and um, and then put those two together and and that's where the, that's where the the power of storytelling comes from, from actually you know yeah taking the time i think this like this is probably one of the strongest takeaways from today's conversation that that i want people to really hear that it's that it's a skill that you can cultivate and it's not just some talent natural born talent that's a, i'm so glad that that you mentioned that because i know those people too that either you're a storyteller or you're not it's absolutely not true hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What skills do you lean on? What do you, what did you have to acquire when you pivoted into the ghostwriting world where you're like really now helping people tell their stories? You're not a journalist, but now you're, and this is what you continue to do. Um, what skills, like, how do you execute that in, you know, milking the best content from them, structuring it in a, you know, strong, cohesive manner when it's, when it's not, when it's not your story. Um, and I know that's kind of a vague, big, broad question, but mm. like, what are the tactics that you take? Okay. And I want to dive into ghostwriting a little bit. Cause the, the real question is kind of like, let's just say like, why, why does someone need a ghostwriter? They have something to say. Mm. They have a life that they've lived, but you come in yeah. and you take what that and you mold it into something that you can deliver. Can we yeah. get into the nitty gritty of that a little bit? Yeah, I think really, uh, really important point. Why do you need a ghostwriter? I think there's that that um, that notion that you can't read the label from inside the jar, that you're too close to your story, right? That you're you, you're. You're too. I think I heard that on on a Park Howell podcast or some mm-hmm. guy called Dove Barron. I don't want to claim credit for that. I think yeah. he, uh, but it's a really interesting interesting point that you you can often be too close to your own stories, and they might be stories that you've told your friends for years, and so you kind of devalue them. They might be stories that you're a bit embarrassed about. Again, we talked about the failures and the and the losses. They may be stories that you kind of, you know, you don't feel comfortable sharing with the world. What I do, I think, as a ghostwriter is I try and encourage people to take me on a journey of their life. And as they're telling me their story of their life, I'm listening out. I'm listening for the stories that my instinct tells me that's that's the story you should share. Or tell me more about that particular moment. Tell me more about that particular incident and drawing it out of them. So it, it, it's really identifying I suppose using my 20 plus years as a journalist to know, okay, that's that's our introduction. That's your introduction to your story. That that explains so much about you. Um, and I'll give you an example. I worked with a, a lady uh, a couple of years ago, and she um, she grew up in, in East Germany. And she told me um, that growing up in East Germany back in the, I think, the, the 70s or the 80s, before the Berlin Wall fell. And she, mm-hmm. she told me that growing up in East Germany was like, you know, growing up in an army boot camp. You know, they went to school six days a week from seven in the morning till five in the evening. And every day at 10 o'clock, they used to have a break. So the bell would go for a break and all the kids would be, you know, herded out into the schoolyard. And there was a big white circle painted in the middle of the yard. And um, the kids were forced to basically walk around this circle for 20 minutes. And that was their morning exercise routine. And if anybody stepped off the circle, if anybody stopped walking, you know, the teachers would be positioned around the yard and they'd shout at them to to get back in line, to to walk the line. And she told me the story and I stopped her and I said, "Um, have you ever told that story in a professional setting before? And she said, no, it's just a silly, random story from my childhood. And, and I said to her, no, that's, that sums up what you do for your clients. Because she worked as a, as a kind of life coach, a professional development coach. She worked with prisoners, actually, as well, to prepare them for life outside prison and help them to you know, rehabilitate them. And I said, that story illustrates exactly what you do for people. You help them to step off this treadmill on the road to nowhere. You help them, you know, it's that cliche, you help them to think outside the box or outside the circle in this case but that story if you use that story at the start of a presentation or a pitch and then segue into what you do for clients you mean you're just immediately going to grab them because it just paints this right cinematic picture of, of what she did and what she what she had gone through herself and why she was uniquely qualified to do what she did and uh, and I think that's the value of working with a ghostwriter or working with somebody who listens to your stories with a fresh fresh pair of eyes right um and so the process you asked me about the process and how i go about getting these stories i um i came up with this 
it's not, it's not a framework, but I, I kind of, when I'm interviewing somebody, uh, you know, to tell their origin story or even a bigger project like a book, I'm looking for three types of stories. I'm looking for the stories that shaped you and the stories that changed you and the stories that confine you. Um, so that's the stories that shape you and the stories that change you and the stories that confine you. Um, and the stories that shape you are from the formative period of your life, you know, from when you were you know, your earliest memories up to the age of 18, let's say. You know, it could be about where you're from and how that influenced you. It could be about what your parents did for a living. It could be your first job, what you were obsessed with as a teenager, you know, what, what sports mm -hmm. you played. It could be any of those things. Um, but there's real gold in those stories, right? And, and I think finding one or two stories from that period of your life is really, really valuable. The second um, set of stories is the stories that changed you. And again, we all have kind of maybe two or three or more kind of real turning points in our lives where, you know, we, we faced a fork in the road. We choose choose left and we end up somewhere, choose right and we end up somewhere completely different. Mm -hmm. So again, those change, those change moments are, you know, ripe for stories. Uh, and then finally, the stories that confine you, these are the stories that keep you small. Um, these are maybe the stories that you're reluctant to share. Um, you know, and, and again, they don't have to be epic stories, but even if it's a little thing that kind of has kept you small, you know, digging into that a little bit and, and sharing a little bit of that. Um, it's remarkable how effective that is at connecting with other people because we all have these stories that confine us. And if you share a story with something that confines you, I guarantee you that there'll be, you know, on LinkedIn, hundreds of other people that will read that story and go, man, I get that. And I mean, I've I've shared stories, for example, about my fear of public speaking because like 10 or 15 years ago, I went to Toastmasters because I was terrified of getting up in front of a, you know, a group of people. Uh, I've, I'm still not a natural public speaker. I, I've done workshops, I've done public speaking, um, but like a lot of people, terrified by it. But by sharing that story on, on LinkedIn, it's a story that confined me and kept me small. I talk about how overcoming that fear of, of public speaking led to so many opportunities in my career, right? Because it led to it led to um, you know workshops, it led to public speaking, it led to the opportunity to chat with you on on, on your podcast, right? You know, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's it, that they're the kind of stories that I that I'm looking for when I when I chat to people. The thing is, you're you're you are like the walking embodiment of what you help people do. You just said <laughs> you're not a natural storyteller. You said you have you know stage for not stage fright, but you know fear of public yeah. speaking. Yet this is exactly the field that you have fallen into and done yeah. quite well with. So that's that's the testimony to your work right there. You know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm most comfortable when I'm one on one with somebody. I love mm -hmm. that. I love sitting across from somebody, and and it's a privilege to get to dig into somebody's life and ask them questions and, and you know you you know that right it's, it's, Absolutely. it's right? the best it's the best yeah. this is my favorite thing about the show hands mm. down is like just this mm. the execution the marketing that's part of it that we have to do i love to talk to people that's why i want to dive i mean i could talk to you about you know the things that you've talked about in your background all day just just yeah. from that it's so interesting to me um, and because of my background in, in documentary filmmaking, it's, it's always been interviews for 20 years now. And, and it wasn't until I got, you know, to this age where I could really look back on that and reflect and be like, man, I get a little piece of all these different people's lives. Like mm. I'm sitting here writing notes from yours. Like I'm every conversation I have, I get tangible takeaways, even if it's just a life lesson, not a business lesson, but just like a perspective, because again, we're coming right back to the point we made earlier. Like everybody has a unique experience that has uh, informed and influenced their unique perspective on life. So each person you talk to, you can glean a little something, especially if you know how to talk to them in a way that we do. Yeah, it's it's everything. This just one on one human connection. I love it. I love to hear you say that because I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I think people are craving the opportunity to tell their stories as well. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think I think that's that's really um, even more so now than ever before. I mean, we you have platforms where you can you know post what's going on in your head, but I think people really crave are craving the opportunity to tell stories. I mean, I did a workshop the other uh, not the other day, but last year where we got a group of people together in a room, and um, when when I pair people off to do exercises. I love watching watching kind of strangers. You, yeah. you give them an example of a story, like like I just did, for example, of a story that confined me, or I'll give them an example of a story that shaped me, and say, right, 
think about your own childhood think about growing up think about a story that that shaped you and just watching watching the interactions is is, is really really cool um well it, that's it's what are stories if they're not mirrors right i mean that's mm. that's the point uh yeah. yeah so you just set it up to you know to have them reflect on themselves and and that opens that portal that opens that door yeah. um yeah absolutely well i yeah. i I don't, <laughs> I find myself doing this every, every, every episode. I just, I, I genuinely, this is going to sound so cheesy. So bear with me. Uh, I genuinely love what I do so much. And I get to these points where it's just like, I'm like emotional right now. I'm not, you know, not in like a sad way, but just, I, I, I love this stuff so much to me. Human connection is just the epitome of everything, you know, uh, with, with what we're trying to do with our time here. You know? Yeah, totally. I'm absolutely with you, and, and I'm with you as well on the on the on the extraneous stuff around what we do, the sales and the marketing. Man, if I could if I could get somebody to take all that off my hands, and I could just do this all day, I'm sure you'd be the same. Absolutely love love that. I'd, I'd I'd rather be around a campfire telling stories with you all night long <laughs> than anything else, my friend. Um, yeah. uh, so, all right. L l to that point, here here's a topical question. Um, yeah. A lot of us in our space, it's kind of you got two camps, those that are fearful of AI and it taking our creative jobs and those that are like, here's what you got to know by AI or you'll get, you know, you, the boat will pass you by. Um, let's talk a little bit about just the role that in your mind it could play. Like how would a story, someone trying to share their stories leverage AI? Let's let's start there. Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't played around with it that much, Ray. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit old school. Obviously, I write books. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a ghostwriter. So, and, and the projects that I love working most on are, are the books. The, the origin story I work I do, the origin story work I do with business leaders is like a, essentially a slimmed down version of, of, of a book. It's a slimmed down version of their life story. Um, so I love those big projects. I, I, I love working on books, and, and I, I thankfully I don't think AI is quite at the point where you can you can just um, get it to write your life story or write it well. Where it is valuable, I think, is is coming up with you know maybe different ideas or different perspectives on maybe a topic that you haven't thought about. I think it's really good for generating maybe different different um, insights that maybe you haven't thought about. For me, though, again, it comes back to the point we made at the start. That's all very well getting those insights, but if you're rehashing something that you've 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 um, you've got from AI, um, how how does that make you stand out? How how are you going to make it sound different to everybody else who's typed the same prompt into AI? And they talk about prompt engineering and and, and all the rest of it, but essentially, it's 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 trolling through. So, for example, storytelling, it's trolling through everything that's ever been published on mm -hmm. storytelling. And it's going to give you essentially the same sound bites that, let's face it, everybody in the storytelling space is, is rehashing essentially the same kind of sound bites. But if you can if you can package them, if you can remix them, as we mm -hmm. said earlier, into 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 a story that, you know, illustrates it and brings your point to life, then why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think you're going to have a much better chance of reaching the, the audience that you're trying to reach. Uh, and obviously th this doesn't apply just to storytelling. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Um, this applies, you know, if you take um, what is known in your industry, what is best practice in your industry, what you want to, uh, I suppose the, the message that you want to convey to potential clients, wrap that up in a story, a personal story, you're still going to make your point, but at the same time, it's, it's like a bonus of kind of people getting to know you a little bit. They, they get to peak behind the the job title if you like you know they get a peek at your personality they get to decide is this somebody is this a person that i could work with is this a person that i want mm -hmm. to work with or not you know th that whole notion of filtering people in as well as filtering people out right you know um it, it, you know if you're in business you want to work with good people you want to work with you know like-minded people um and telling your story is a great way of kind of just you know highlighting this is me. This is who I stand for. And uh, yeah, and, and, and for me, that is the advantage of telling stories over using AI to create your content for you. Yes, and, and everybody has said this, use it as a starting point. It's a great play. It's, you know, it's a great little toolkit for, you know, entering, you know, maybe a topic that you have that you want to expand on and have a play with it and see, see what it uh, turns out. But 
for me, I would try then, then personalize it, then add a story element yeah. to it. And uh, it, it'll just make it sing. It'll make it jump off the page. Absolutely. It, yeah. Is the origin story, in your opinion, or your approach with the work that you do, is that the only story that one has to tell, that one should tell, that you help people tell? That's the one that I focus on. Absolutely, it's not the only story. I think it's a part of your toolkit. For me, it's I, I think, think of it as the foundation for all the other mm. stories you tell. If you get clear on your origin story, then it's much easier to tell a value story. It's much easier to go in front of your team and tell them the story about your purpose or your mission in the company, what you're, what you're trying to do, what you're all about. It's much easier to tell your why. I mean, Simon Sinek has made a great career out of that, you know, those three circles and one word. <laughs> incredible. But it, right? it's, it's essentially, if you know your origin story, your why becomes yeah. clear you know uh your sales story you know, all of those stories yeah there's 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 um there's so many different stories you can and should be telling but i think if you get clear on your origin story initially it makes everything else so much so much easier and more straightforward because you're you get clarity on who you are you get clarity on the journey you've been on you get clarity on the the business you started and why you started it in the first place right and that's so valuable that's a that's a valuable um piece of piece of work for you to have and it's it's something that evolves and grows with you as well i think you know as, as you kind of you know as, as your story changes as you add new chapters to your story your origin story will will naturally kind of grow evolve and grow That's with you point. but uh taking the time in the first place i think to to reflect on the journey um, just, and just and i think as well going through the process you'll find all these stories popping into your head that you, you maybe haven't thought about for years in, in terms of, you know, things that have influenced you. And there's so many things that will pop into your That's head. a really excellent point. Once you start priming the pump, it trains your yeah. eye, your ear, your mind, whatever, to to spot these opportunities, uh, other opportunities for stories. That's that's a, such a great point that people don't realize yeah. until you get into it. And that applies to, to, to anything, all the organic... Uh, happy accidents happen once you once you take the leap and 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 start which is also in a way bringing us back to you know talking about your job at, at red bull right if you didn't start you know picking away at it that, that that wouldn't have happened and similarly when you start picking away at that story you start to realize like oh actually that moment that happened in 2013 was a great moment to talk about it et cetera, et cetera. but it you can't just pull it out yeah. of the thin air unless you're you're working that muscle yeah, there's a couple of really simple exercises as well, if, if you don't mind me sharing them with you. One is, one again, I, I picked it up from somewhere else. It's the timeline exercise. So it's the timeline of your life where you just draw a straight line from zero up to the age you are now. Um, you might take a few pages to do this, and you're just plotting the, uh, the highs and lows of, of the different stages of your life. You might break it into 10-year periods or seven-year periods or whatever it might be. And just, just write bullet points of kind of the, the highs and lows of your life. And then reflect on those stories and think, okay, of those bullet points, are, you know, the highlights and lowlights of my life, which one of those which one of one of those stories could I turn into a, a business story, into a story that I could use in business? And um, that's a really good starting point just to kind of get, you know, out of your head and down onto the page, the, the potential stories you have. I think you'll be surprised at how many stories you'll find just doing that simple exercise by itself. The other thing that I advise people to do is to, you know, um, open a document and, and start pulling those as I said, like the, the pop culture um, inferences that you might have or quotes from books that you admire or um, quotes from movies or um, uh, books in your industry that are highly influential, you know, sections from those. Start putting all those together into, into a document as well and then see if you can kind of um, bring the two together. As I said, that kind of notion of remixing, you know, take take a, a personal story and take a quote or a piece of industry knowledge and see if you can tie those two together. That's a really, really good, fun way to kind of play around with your stories and, and see what comes out of it. Um, and again, that's something you can build up over time. You, you, you may be starting from zero, um, but that's a really, really valuable thing to do to try and help you mine for the goal. Absolutely. I, I love this idea of remixing uh, so much. And, you know, back to our point we made earlier about pulling from your other passions. 
it also or, or using some cultural references like this it also opens uh, more doors to other communities to to find your perspective and your work that you do so if you are making the video about basketball but yeah. it's about leadership really like you're gonna get new eyes i do this yeah. sometimes when i use i come from a filmmaking background so i just had a video i posted uh today i think this morning that was it, the 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 lesson was about your company narrative but i used a hit tv show to just like one one episode to, to showcase it and it like popped off and i was like oh because people like that show and so it you know it caught a, a bunch of new eyes and i can talk about that passionately because i love television and film that's you know that's yeah. that's my background so i that's a, that's a really good point yeah. that we made too is like combine all these things that make you you that's how you you, you get the origin story to yeah. be so powerful yeah, I'll give you two more examples. I worked with a guy, again, who um, felt that he had no stories to tell me. And, and we got chatting, and it turned out this guy had competed in round-the-world round sailing races, right? He competed in the Whitbread. He competed in Sydney to Hobart, like, sailed at an incredibly high level. Um, he worked in the Navy for years, so he had all this kind of um, sailing and, and yachting experience. And he ran a leadership consultancy in Australia, and he had never shared, which is a great boating and sailing uh, country, he had never never shared that story about uh, his involvement as, as a sailor and, and the high level he sailed at. So I helped him craft that story, and, and it just took off. And, and he had the, he had that story all that time, but just never thought to, to put it out there because his, his leadership uh on, on a boat and in sailing you know perfectly highlighted why he was so good at what he did uh, for his job as a, as a leadership consultant um, another guy i worked with was involved in sponsorship and bringing companies together to do sponsorship deals and in the process of helping him talk you know figure out his origin story he told me that growing up in the uk in his early 20s he worked with a football agent and this agent looked after david beckham and and this guy's job was to essentially be david beckham's you know executive assistant he basically accompanied, accompanied him on photo shoots commercial deals he was his right hand man and i said so you've never shared the story about working with david beckham before even though you work in sponsorship and, and again it just it just hadn't kind of whether whether it was just a fear factor and, and there is a fear factor it's not knowing it's it's kind of it's not trusting yourself you know is this a short story that i should share or not and um, there's definitely a fear factor involved yeah. in sharing personal stories because i think we all you let you, your your gut is gone now keep it safe you know just just post about what you know yeah. don't don't go there but if you get if, if you can get past that fear it's, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's I always it. look at it from the unique angle, and like you, you were David Beckham's executive assistant, <laughs> like one of the most one of the most famous you know footballers of all time. But also in terms of pop culture and sponsorships and brand deals, like one of the most successful of all time yeah. as well, which is still yeah. continuing, by the way. I mean, that's I mean, you know, yeah. that's a gold mine. And then also the the sailor. This goes yeah. back to the quote about um. Uh, you can't read the label from inside the jar. Often people think that like I sail for a hobby, yeah. but that's my world. And they, they, they don't think it's special. Cause that's, I mean, they love it, but they don't think you would think it's special where it's yeah. like, yeah, that's special. Right. Cause yeah. that's not, you can't pull 10 people off yeah. the street or maybe even a hundred and have 10% of them understand what it's like to sail around the world. Right. That's a very unique thing. You got to yeah. leverage that. Yeah. Yeah, you got to leverage it. And again, not everybody is going to have worked with David Beckham. Not everybody is going to have been a world class sailor. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that you you you, you yes. can't draw on stories from your life. You know, um, they don't all no. as I said all have to be epic stories. The, the the there's a whole notion I'm sure you know of reframing, right? Where you 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 take a story, you take a piece of your life that you may have looked at one way for years. Just, just take another look at it. As I said, the, the, for for me during my last years, the, those jobs that I uh, worked in that I hated, um, by reframing them, by looking at them at them from a different angle, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, they were they were crappy jobs at the time, but man, I learned so much. Um, and so, if you don't have that epic story, you know, reframe, reinterpret some other stories from your life and put a business spin on them, and I think you'll be amazed at the at the amount of connection you get both you know online obviously which is where uh, you know you can share them but also in person with your team and um, with potential clients and presentations and pitches if if you're doing interviews if you're doing podcasts 
knowing and crafting, you know, one or two of these stories. It'll give you so much confidence as well when you're when you're making those kind of um, speeches or you're trying to connect with your audience. If you know that you've kind of two or three well-crafted stories, it just makes it so much easier and makes you less likely to ramble, which is what I'm doing now. <laughs> no, 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 ramble away, my friend. Uh, but that, we, yeah, that kind of brings us to about uh, the stopping point for today's conversation. But I, I want to ask you this. I'm always... Again, I want to talk about like what we do for work so that we can help our listeners. But as we said already, I'm always interested in the person I'm talking to. Um, at this stage yep. uh, in your journey, let's just look at this year. Um, I've, I find people like us, entrepreneurs, uh, people that uh, are working on their business are, are generally in, in one of two places. Either they are taking another leap doing something new, spreading wings, flying, whatever that might be, or really trying to uh, deepen their roots and stay grounded in their foundation of what they are building or have built. Which one are you? No, like, yeah. yeah. where's your focus going into 2024? I know we're at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I, um, it's so easy, right, to get distracted by <laughs> shiny toys, isn't it? So it's, it's so easy to think I should be doing this, or I, sh I should do a yeah, course, please. or I yeah. should, you know, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man, like we all we all Big know time. that that feeling. Yeah, and I, I've definitely been guilty of that. I think over the last few years, but over the Christmas period, over the 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 break over the holidays i really decided to to double down on the origin stories and the ghostwriting as my two core focuses because they dovetail and, and, and one leads to the other like for example i worked with worked with a guy like as i said the origin story is a slimmed down version of your life story if you want to write a book start with your origin story actually start with the origin story and see am i comfortable with this process am i comfortable with you know the whole notion of kind of sharing a little bit of myself because a book is a big undertaking, right? But the origin story is a slice. It's a, it's a slice of your life. It's it's a distilled version of your life, and um, so I, I love that work. But I, I'm also doubling down. I'm trying to do more ghostwriting um, work. I finished. I worked on three books last year. Um, I worked on uh, the life story of a New Zealand technology entrepreneur, um, which which again, it's just an incredible privilege to. This guy's in his seventies, so he took me right back to growing up in New Zealand in the 1950s and 1960s so getting an insight into that period um hearing his stories from from that period of his life it's very very cool and it's just for me the ghostwriting and, and the books it's that's mm -hmm. a substantial piece of work it's not it's not a throw it's not a throwaway tweet it's 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 not it's not a TikTok video it's it's substantial and and, and i think if i would encourage anything uh, to, to to people listening you know and to and to put something something substantial out in the world you know and plus one yeah. plus a thousand to that my friend uh yes absolutely mm. it's so easy to to just do linkedin posts and and short videos and tweets all day long i like that advice a lot uh and kudos to you for mm. for not getting caught in the trap i i immediately related to that picture you were painting um and and Oh, I've been in the trap. I've been in the trap. I think I'm, I'm trying to slowly escaping. We're, getting, we're getting wiser, my friend. <laughs> um, I I think that also there will be more and more people wanting to tell their story in um, in those more substantial uh, mediums, right? Uh, now that self-publishing is so big, um, you know, more and more people are doing that. Whereas maybe in the past, people were like, "Oh, I couldn't write a book," but now now anybody can if you sure. if you have your audience right and that's what you help them do so man robert i appreciate you yeah. uh sharing some time with me today this has been this has been so fun i appreciate you very much absolutely loved it um rain thanks for having me on and uh yeah yeah it's, right, been, it's been a blast Cheers. thanks man my name is rain bennett thanks for listening if you enjoyed that episode do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast if you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow and that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. This podcast is a six-second stories production.
Six Second Stories is a story coaching and consulting company that builds online education, in-person and virtual training, and digital products that help businesses master storytelling to find their ideal customers and market to them effectively. You can learn more at sixsecondstories.com and purchase the book Six Second Stories at Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, or rainbennett.com slash sixsecondstories. 